Well, good morning, my uh, friend. Light touches in the studio, and I'm so glad she's here. How are you, doing Sister well. How are you Gabs? Doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Very good. Uh, just want to say good morning to our listening audience as well. This is um, Rehoboth Institute of the Arts Outreach. Wow, what a show. And of course, as before, when we were doing our live uh, cast and reading through the Psalms and other live casts that we've done, I wanted you to just um, know that we are the outreach of Rehoboth Institute of the Arts and our regular podcast can be found under that name where we do a series called uh, Conversations in Creative Evangelism. And we have now a children's story hour. We'd love for you to join us there and to go through uh, any of the episodes. Hopefully something that we talk about will be of interest to you. And even further than that might bring you to understand uh, maybe some issues that you may be having as a Christian or introduce you to the life of Christianity, believing in Jesus Christ. This is the season where we highlight that most uh, uh, gloriously because, of course, for us, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is uh, the foundation of our uh, salvation and our faith. So uh, that being said, we're going to talk this morning about uh, one of the children's stories that has been posted in the Um, episode list at Rehoboth Institute of the Arts. And the reason we're doing it is because there are are references in the fourth story that may cause um, people to wonder or be concerned about um, what is being said there. These stories are written by a very renowned and and excellent writer. He's British born, well, he's Indian born, actually he was born in Bombay, India. But of course he was British. And uh, he has written all these amazing stories, one of which is The Jungle Book, which if your children haven't seen The Jungle Book, the Disney production of that is just absolutely wonderful. It's great, great fun. And I would would highly recommend it. But for today, we need to delve into a little story titled How the Leopard Got His Spots. And uh, to try to kind of... What, what are we going to do with this, Gabs? We're going to try to um, look at it objectively and try to reason uh, uh, whether or not it is offensive and whether or not maybe we should even take it down. I don't know. But anyway, so we're waiting for a friend as well. My usual, um, one of my usual co-hosts, and that is uh, Sister Rima Joseph, who I call Lady R. Uh, she had not listened to the story, uh, but she said she would and, and join us. So uh, Gabs, let us begin our conversation this morning with prayer, because what we want to really achieve here is not what we feel in our normal, you know, existence, but what the Lord really wants us to see in this story. Uh, Would you pray for us? Or, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot, so you don't have to. I can indeed. But if I pray, will you also pray? If I don't cover some stuff, that's what I'll do. Right. If you have have a sense to pray about something or for the leading of the Lord in a certain way, would you please do that after I have prayed? Okay. 
Thank you, Father, for this lovely day. It is a bit overcast, but what we've learned, I have learned in understanding that your glory is declared in the heavens and in the daylight and in the night. What we know then is that whether it is cloudy or sunshine, your glory is still declared. You have created such a wonderful world, and this world bespeaks the fact that you are beyond our ability to make things uh, different that are naturally occurring. And so the rain comes from an overcast day uh, many times. And that rain in this season where we are in the world, flowers, it, it waters the earth so that harvest is, is coming forth. First, we have these beautiful flowers and you know this flora, as we are going to talk about in the story, that appear. So you're watering the earth. But beyond that, the rainfall and the snowfall, the rainfall of, of, of uh, spring and the snowfalls of winter actually um, water the fruit that will come in the later season, in the summer, early summer and midsummer. And so all of this goes together, Lord God, to provide for your people and your creation here in this earth. So we have to thank you for that. We have to thank you for it. We can't be annoyed by it, as I used to be, um, just not wanting a, a, a gray day uh, because I just felt like the whole world was gray. But I've learned, and I thank you for it, Lord. We ask you this morning to guide our conversation because we are going to delve into something that is of particular sensibility to so many people and may not be to others that we might think it, it is to. But Lord God, we need your guidance and we need your understanding. And Father, we want as a, as a people of, of a different ethnicity than the dominant culture in the world. We want, Father, to put our sensibilities in a right place so that we're not offended by everything and yet that we are sensitive to those things which should be called out. So guide our conversation today, we pray in the name of Jesus. And Lord, wherever Sister Reem is, I ask you to bless her and to get her in as soon as possible. So for that, Lord God, I thank you and I pray and receive in the name of Jesus Christ, our beloved Savior. Amen. Yes, Lord, and I would just like to say thank you for um, placing uh, your love in every human. That these we are your creation, just as all the animals and the trees, the birds, <laughs> the fish, the fowl, all of this, all of this is your creation. And I, I want to thank you that you love us regardless of how we look, or where yeah. we've been, what we've done. And, and also to open up the story in a way that we understand uh, somewhat uh, what the author's intent was in writing it. It is a very old story. Mm -hmm. And we know that there mm -hmm. were certain uh, things happening and that were kind of the norms in those days. So not to justify or to... Um, you know, make it okay that some people might be offended by some of the terms or things that 
are used in this way. But they, you know, you we understand, have an understanding. In the name of Jesus. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Oh, so good morning there. Well, good afternoon. My sister Rima is here as well. And uh, I think I confused her because I sent both two, two um, what do you call these, the emails. And in mm-hmm. one, I have the story. Yeah. And in the other was the invitation to join us in the, um, in the uh, studio. So thank you for coming. And thank you for this last minute response. I so appreciate it. Uh, okay. You're welcome. Good afternoon, both ladies. Yeah. Good afternoon, both ladies. <laughs> that be uh, uh, light touch. Are you there? Okay, so something is going oh, on there. I'm sorry. So she said, "Okay, so here." Hello, righto. Talk, talk, talking, and not being heard. Hello again. <laughs> oh, so we, <laughs> she's talking and, and we are you're on mute. Okay, very good. So guys, this is what I thought we would do. I should have invited some children in this studio because children are so innocent in their first hearing of, of the, the life in the world, right? Um, and I think I will invite them after I publish this to the episode, get these kiddos to listen and then bring them back for a conversation in the live studio. But today we want to hash out a few things. And um, as as I listened to the story, I was rather like you, uh, Gabs. I kind of didn't understand it, right? <laughs> so I said, what is this? And I actually love Rudyard Kipling. I have loved him since a child when my brother learned in, Dwight must have been in the second grade, and he learned the, the, the poem, If. I thought it was yeah. the most magnificent point. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Kipling has authored, um, he authored The Jungle Book, which was so popular uh, when I was growing up. And I've seen it several times, the Disney production of it. So it's his book, you know. That's the Rudyard Kipling we're talking about today. Um, and a lot of his other stories. So I love the other little stories. And I uh, have a plan to uh, relate them to the creation story um, with read from the children's Bible when we finish all of these, because each one of these uh, has detail that uh, to me corresponds to the creation story. Uh, and he references the creation in his storytelling. So I thought it would be a lovely way to get children to begin to read their Bible from Genesis, right? So uh, today, though, we have to kind of read through this one, how the leopard got his spots. And um, so I sent you guys a copy because I thought it would be really appropriate since the accent and the uh, vocabulary is very different that we probably should read through this one and do some defining and just read it so it's clearer, even even to your own hearing. So I, it's in your email. If you don't get it out, it's okay. I'm going to uh, begin to read it. It's short, so you know it it won't take very long. Oh, okay, yes, it will. It's kind of long, but I think to, to get the story, I, I thought I had printed out the pages, and it was one, two, three pages. It's it's actually six pages, and there are some exercises to go with. I think this could be such a lovely uh, Saturday 
or Sunday after, well, Saturday experience for children. The vocabulary is beautifully done. I mean, Kipling was really sharp and he must have known a lot about stuff because he um, has has pulled in so much uh, that children can learn about. So I'm going to start. The story is from a group of stories he created called Just So just is just so just so stories and his name as the author is Roger Kipling uh, he was born in 1865 and he died in 1936 so he lived he was born one year before the slaves were emancipated in this country and uh, he died before uh, all of this white supremacy stuff around black people in the country. I mean, it was already there, but definitely he died just as Hitler is uh, in the throes of all that he was doing with white supremacy. So uh, let's, let's, let's read in the days. Oh, first of all, let me ask you, did you get the email? Because you could join me in the reading. Yes. Okay, yes, okay good. Very good. Very good. So I'm going to read the beginning because I've defined all of these uh, animal terms. So I'll read page, page one um, to the end sentence that ends on page two, of course. And then, you know, I'll stop and let's see. Uh, Reem, you could pick up or Gabs, tell me which one uh, Please, could do the up. next... <laughs> okay. Free. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. okay. No problem. Then, all righty, and we'll get through it. So yeah, I'll read the first page. Uh, uh, Sister Reem, you read the second page. Gabs, you you read the third page, which flips over to the fourth page. So you're going to read half, four and a half, and then I'll read the last one. You know, I pick up with O said or something. Where is it? We'll get through it. Here we go. <clears throat> okay. In the days when everybody started fair, best beloved, the leopard lived in a place called the high veldt. Remember, it wasn't the low veldt or the bush veldt or the south a sour veldt, but the exclusively bare, hot, shiny high veldt, where there was sand and sandy-colored rock and exclusively roughs of sandy yellowish grass. The giraffe and the zebra and the eland and the kudu and the heart beast lived there, and they were exclusively sandy yellow brownish all over. But the leopard, he was the exclusively sandiest yellowish brownish of them all, a grayish yellow caddy shaped kind of beast, and he matched the exclusively yellow grayish brownish color of the high belt to one hair. This was very bad for the giraffe and the zebra and the rest of them, for he would lie down by a exclusively yellowish, grayish, brownish stone or clump of grass. And when the giraffe and the zebra or the eland or the kudu or the bushbuck or the bantibuck came by, he would surprise them out of their jumpsome lives. He would indeed, and also there was an Ethiopian with bows and arrows, exclusively grayish, brownish, yellowish man he was then, who lived on the high veldt with the leopard, and the two used to hunt together. The Ethiopian with his bows and arrows, and the leopard exclusively with his teeth and claws, till the giraffe and the eland and the kudu and the quagga and all the rest of them didn't know which way to jump. Best beloved, they didn't indeed. Now I'm going to stop right here and explain 
that the Kudu, the Eland, the, um, uh, wait a minute, all of these are, are, are uh, kangaroos. Okay, so they're all, uh, wait, let me see, wait, let me tell you. The, the, the Kudu is a large South African antelope, I'm sorry. The heartbeat is a large antelope. And all of these things are found in South Africa. So is the Elon, so is the Bushbuck, so is the Bantibuck, so is the Quagga. Right? So he's talking about, um, uh, except that the quagga, I'm sorry, is a zebra, is a kind of zebra. So he's, they're talking about they're hunting these uh, uh, antelope, right? And the Ethiopian and the leopard lived in something called a high veld. And high veld, the veld, this is all South African terms. The veld is an open, uncultured country or grassland in South Africa. And it could be the high veld, the middle veld, or the low veld, which he is going to reference as we are reading through this. There's one other term that I want to define right now, and that's uh, Aboriginal fauna, which is the original animal life that is characteristics of a region or period or a special environment. And flora is the same, except it's plant life. So uh, as we go on, you're going to hear, hear that uh, referred to. After a long time, things lived forever so long in those days, they learned to avoid anything that looked like a leopard or an Ethiopian. And bit by bit, the giraffe began it because his legs were the longest. They went away from the high veld. They scuttled for days and days and days till they came to a great forest, exclusively full of trees and bushes and stripy, speckly, patchy, blackchy shadows, and there they hid. And after another long time, what with standing half in the shade and half out of it, and what with the slippery, slidey shadows of the trees falling on them, the giraffe grew blotchy and the zebra grew stripy, and the eland and the kudu grew darker, and little wavy gray lines on their backs like bark on a tree trunk. And so, though you could heat beat them, hear them, and smell them, you could very seldom see them, and then only when you knew precisely where to look. They had a beautiful time in the exclusively speckled, speckly shadows of the forest while the leopard and the Ethiopian ran about over the exclusively grayish, yellowish, reddish high veld outside, wondering where all their breakfast and their dinners and their teas had gone. At last, oh, I can't turn my page. At last, they were so hungry that they ate rats and beetles and rock rabbits, the leopard and the Ethiopian. And then they had the big tummy ache both together, and then they met Fabian, the dog-headed barking baboon, who is quite the wisest animal in all South Africa. Okay, Reens. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> said, said Leopard to Fabian, and it was a very hot day. Where has all the game gone? And Fabian went. He knew, said the Ethiopian to Bavian, Can you tell me the present habitat of the Aboriginal fauna? That meant just the same thing, but the Ethiopian always used long words. He was a grown-up. 
And Bavian winked, he knew. Then said Bavian, the game has gone into other spots. And my advice to you, Leopard, is to go into other spots as soon as you can. And the, Ep and the Ethiopian said, that is all very fine, but I wish to know whither the Aboriginal fauna has migrated. Then said Bavian, the Aboriginal fauna has joined the Aboriginal flora because it was high time for a change. And my advice to you, Ethiopian, is to change as soon as you can. That puzzled the leopard and the Ethiopian, but they set off to look for the Aboriginal flora. And presently, after ever so many days, they saw a great high tall forest full of tree trunks, all exclusively speckled and sprottled and spottled, dotted and splashed and slashed and hatched and cross-hatched with shadows. Say that quickly aloud and you will see how very shadowy <laughs> the forest must have been. <laughs> what is this? said the leopard. That is so exclusively dark and yet so full of little pieces of light. I don't know, said the Ethiopian, but it ought to be the aboriginal flora. I can smell giraffe and I can hear giraffe, but I can't see giraffe. That's curious, said the leopard. I suppose it is because we have just come out of the sunshine. I can smell zebra, and I can hear zebra, but I can't see zebra. Wait a bit, said the Ethiopian. It's a long time since we've hunted them. Perhaps we've forgotten what they were like. Fiddle, said the leopard. I remember them perfectly on the high felt, especially their marrow bones. Giraffe is about 17 feet high, of exclusively fulvous golden yellow from head to heel. And zebra is about four and a half feet high, of exclusively gray fawn color from head to heel. Hmm, said the Ethiopian, looking into the speckly, speckly shadows of the aboriginal flora forest. Then they ought to show up in this dark place, like ripe bananas on a smokehouse. But they didn't. The leopard and the Ethiopian hunted all day, and though they could smell them and hear them, they never saw one of them. For goodness sake, said the leopard at tea time, let us wait till it gets dark. This daylight hunting is a perfect scandal. So they waited till dark and... Stop here. Okay, yes, that's good. <laughs> Go on, Gabs. Okay. Thank you. So they, so they waited <laughs> till dark. And then the leopard heard something real, breathing sniffily in the starlight that fell all stripy through the branches. And he jumped at the noise and it smelt like zebra. And it felt like zebra. And when he knocked it down, it kicked like zebra. But he couldn't see it. So he said, be quiet. Oh, you person without any form, I'm going to sit on your head till morning because there is something about you that I don't understand. Presently, he heard a grunt and a crash and a scramble, and the Ethiopian called out, I've caught a thing that I can't see. It smells like giraffe, and it kicks like giraffe, but it hasn't any form. Don't you trust it, said the leopard. Sit on its head till the morning. Same as me. <laughs> 
<laughs> they haven't any form, any of them. <laughs> so, they, so they sat down on them hard till bright morning time. And then Leopard said, what have you at your end of the table, brother? The Ethiopian scratched his head and said, it ought to be exclusively a rich, fulvous, orange tawny from head to heel, and it ought to be giraffe, but it is covered all over with chestnut blotches. What have you at your end of the table, brother? And the leopard scratched his head and said, it ought to be exclusively a delicate grayish fawn, and it ought to be a zebra, but it is covered all over with black and purple stripes. What in the world have you been doing to yourself, zebra? Don't you know... <laughs> That if you were on the high belt, I could see you 10 miles off having any form. <laughs> yes, said the zebra, but this isn't the high belt. Can't you see? I can now, said the leopard, but I couldn't all yesterday. How is it done? Let us up, said the zebra, and, and we will show you. They let the zebra and the giraffe get up. And Zebra moved away to some little thorn bush, bushes where the sunlight fell all stripy. And Giraffe moved off to some tallish trees where the shadows fell all blotchy. Now watch, said the Zebra and the Giraffe. This is the way it's done. One, two, three. And where's your breakfast? Leopard stared and Ethiopian, Ethiopian stared. But all they could see were stripy shadows and blotched shadows in the forest, but never a sign of zebra and giraffe. They had just walked off and hidden themselves in the shadowy forest. Hi, hi, said the Ethiopian. That's a trick worth learning. Take a lesson by it, leopard. You show up in this dark place like a bar of soap in a coal scuttle. Oh, 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 said the leopard. What it, would it surprise you very much to know that you show up in this dark place like a mustard plaster on a sack of coals? <laughs> well, calling names won't catch dinner, said the Ethiopian. The long and the little of it is that we don't match our backgrounds. <laughs> I'm going to take Damien's advice. He told me I ought to change. And I have nothing to change except my skin. I'm going to change that. <laughs> what to? What to? What to? Said the leopard, tremendously excited. <laughs> to a nice, working, blackish, brownish color with a little purple in it and touches of slaty blue. <laughs> it will be the very thing for hiding in hollows and behind trees. <laughs> so he changed his skin then and there and the leopard was more excited than ever he had never seen a man change his skin before but what about me he said when the Ethiopian had worked his last little finger into his fine new black skin take Babian's advice too he told you to go into spots so I did, said the leopard. I went into other spots as fast as I could. I went into this spot with you, and a lot of good it has done me. Oh, said the Ethiopian. Babian didn't mean spots in South Africa. He meant spots on your skin. 
What's the use of that? said the leopard. Think of giraffe, said the Ethiopian. Or if you prefer stripes, think of zebra. They find their spots and stripes give them perfect satisfaction. Hmm, said the leopard. I wouldn't look like zebra. Not forever, so. Well, make up your mind, said the Ethiopian, because I'd hate to go hunting without you. But I must if you insist on looking like a sunflower against the heart. <laughs> A tarred thing. <laughs> I'll take spots then, said the leopard. But don't make them too vulgar big. I wouldn't look like giraffe. Not forever so. I'll make them with the tips of my fingers, said the Ethiopian. There's plenty of black left on my skin still. Stand over. Okay, so Reem, you okay, want to stop there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Sister Reed. Okay. okay. <laughs> then the Ethiopian put his five fingers close together. There was plenty of black left on his new skin still, and pressed them all over the leopard. And wherever the five fingers touched, they left five little black marks all close together. You can see them on any leopard's skin you like, best beloved. Sometimes the fingers slipped and the marks got a little blurred. But if you look closely at any leopard now, you will see that there are always five spots off five fat black fingertips. <laughs> now you are a beauty, said the Ethiopian. You can lie out on the bare ground and look like a heap of pebbles. You can lie out on the naked rocks and look like a piece of pudding stone. You can lie out on a leafy branch and look like a sunshine and look like sunshine sifting through the leaves. And you can lie right across the center of a path and look like nothing in particular. Think of that and purr. But if I'm all this, said the leopard, why didn't you go spotty too? Oh, plain black's best for me, said the Ethiopian. Now come along and we'll see if we can't get even with Mr. One, two, three. Where's your breakfast? So they went away and lived happily ever after. Word. Best beloved, that is all. Oh now, oh, oh now and then you will still, you will hear grown-ups say, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? I don't even, I don't think even grown-ups would keep on saying such a silly thing if the leopard and the Ethiopian hadn't done it once, do you? But they will never do it again, best beloved. They are quite contented as they are. The end. <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah. Well, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so it is, it, right? It is such a good story. Um, now the thing is, <clears throat> I am I am uploading from um, uh, LibriVox, which has the these these stories are in the public domain, and LibriVox has done audio uh, on all of them, and what they do is read from the rest the, the I guess what do you call it when you attach a little bit to the end of a story? Um, I forget what it's called. Addendum. No, it's it's kind of an addendum, but yeah, it's it's an attach. Yeah, it's, it's an extension there. <clears throat> and in the in the um, 
recording, he goes on to talk about the, the picture uh, as it is in the book. So really and truly, it would be, have been lovely if we could have played the story and then read the story and then made the comments. Because in, the com in that addendum there, mm -hmm. um, it is written something like, uh, I'm sorry, I thought it was, I thought it was actually going to be in this story that I downloaded, but it's not. And it, and I didn't have time to go and copy it down. But he says something about each one of the characters and then about the Ethiopian. He says, well, the Ethiopian, he's a Negro. And so his name mm -hmm. is Sambo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I read that. I heard that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I when I, I and he said something else about Negro, whatever. So my husband is from Ethiopia, right? And I just it, when I get in the car because I've listened to it on my phone, the Bluetooth would pick up and it'll start playing. I didn't play it, but it just starts playing that, right? So I looked at Tad because I, I had heard that part. I said, Tad, does that bother you? And he said, mm -hmm. I said, does it offend you? And he said not not particularly and he was chuckling you know as he's listening to this story so i said um well do you all call yourselves negroes and he said we call ourselves ethiopians ethiopian <laughs> ethiopian <laughs> that's what <we're> right <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah british call themselves <laughs> british right that's right, right. that's exactly english. right yeah <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. No. That's the difference yeah. about us. The, the English, yes. the English calls himself an Englishman. I'm an Englishman, right, or right. I'm British, right? And or I'm Italian, Absolutely. or I'm this, or I'm that, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. And we. So these names so are, have... did not originate with us. <laughs> Absolutely exactly. not. And um, it's so a Jamaican calls themselves a Jamaican. Right. A Jamaican. Exactly. It is only us uh, poor, oppressed, slave people in this country that have been <laughs> robbed of ancestry. Right. <laughs> right. And, right. and therefore, <clears throat> all these things have been said about us. And I give credence to the fact that people can be totally offended by this, right? Um, yeah. And right. so the Sambo, the, if he had just said, he's an Ethiopian and he has black skin. I don't think it would, right. been, it would have called up as much in me if he had not said, so you're a Negro and so your name is Sambo, right? So I sit right. there, I'm thinking, Ted, this time they're not talking about us, you know, the, uh, the black people in this country who were called Negroes at one point. I told you, I wrote a poem about how many names I've been called in terms of my ancestry. Um, right. And then to go on to say Sambo, because they used to make this little uh, black child, mm -hmm. right, with a blue curly hair, and they called us black Sambos, right? So yeah. when I heard it, I thought, okay, okay, I'm not in Ethiopia where it probably won't bother them at all. I am in America where this could really be uh, something to to uh, be um, upset over. Yeah, okay. And for that reason, I thought, yeah, quite, quite. But Kipling was born in Bombay, <clears throat> and so he lived around uh, the darker skin. Because Indians, contrary to popular belief, are as huge as we are in America. So are the Ethiopians. Right. Um, so right. the Ethiopian skin tone can go from the Egyptian skin tone 
to the mm -hmm. the blackest African skin tone, you see. And uh, the every, all the characteristics of them exist as we have lived it here in this country. In other words, white people have, some of them have straight hair, some of them have curly hair. Um, black people, some of them have straighter or, or at least curlier, softer, uh, up to the, you know, cuckleberry kind of, uh, uh, and so we, they have lived that though as a normal, a norm. We have lived that as a, uh, as a raping sort of thing. So it has negative connotations to us, you know. <clears throat> and I, um, I was interested. I was interested to know how Tad took it, because he is Ethiopian, of course. <clears throat> And I was really quite surprised when he said, not at all, no. And, I said, and uh, so I said, well, will you all ever call Negroes? And he said, no. I said, what, what, what do you, does anybody, do you all call yourself Negroes? That's what I asked. He said, no. We call ourselves, we call ourselves Ethiopian. <laughs> right, like exactly, plain like and simple. <laughs> Yeah. Plain and simple, straightforward. And so, right. guys, now I'm going to shut up because that's why I called us into this conversation because I wanted to bring some light to this um, potential offense to African Americans. Therefore, <clears throat> I didn't want to just come from me because then folks can say, well, she's so blinded or whatever. But I want you to comment now. <laughs> what say you of this? Should I take this story down? Um, uh, if I may jump in, okay, go ahead, go ahead, Sister Gabby. No, no, no. Well, I, it, I, I wasn't offended by it. I just mm -hmm. thought mm, when I first initially heard it, I was like, mm, well, Negro. But when I he said it, I'm thinking, okay, I started thinking like, well, they're not even in America. So why is he calling them mm -hmm. Negro? <laughs> and then, of course, the name. <laughs> The name Sambo to me, coming yeah. up from a child, it didn't have a. It, Sambo was like he had the, the the what do you call it? The buckwheat hair and and his clothes were mm -hmm. like kind of shambly, and he was real, real mm -hmm. black, like the crayon black, which we are not. Mm -hmm. But I don't I identify as black. But he had that, uh, you know, that mammy, mammy look. So that was, that's where I went with it initially, but yeah, of course, you keep of hearing course. the story, you keep listening, it's not so offensive. And I do recognize that at that time, they, they, they wrote about us like that. They thought about mm. us like that, but it, in the story itself, it doesn't really actually offend. Mm. Okay. That's okay. So we've heard that one. I mean, what what's on your mind? Tell us. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I personally, let's say, I'm not offended, but I am offended. I take I take offense mm -hmm. because of their mm -hmm. the, their liberty to take to um to describe us um a certain way, and it's not um mm -hmm. it's not an endearing way, or it's not a positive way. Um, the English language is is vast. They can find other descriptors uh, instead of um, descriptions that they've used to uh, make us feel less than. It's not mm -hmm. a positive uh, description. So 
I absolutely take offense for the history behind it. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. moving forward, I would not want to embrace that because we, because of the history and because of how far we're supposed to have come. And now we see things Mm -hmm. like almost being reversed, if you will. And so Mm -hmm. even though it was, it yeah and and although it was written and it's not even an although i could say even though it was written at a different time it was a time when slavery and all that kind of uh racism it may not have been called racism but it was white supremacy mm-hmm. was rampant mm-hmm. so i would not embrace it i would not embrace it in one way or other no because mm-hmm. because um the history of um Europeans in general has been one where people of color have been um, um, castigated and have been um, um, described as, or beauty has been um, tampered mm-hmm. with, you see, and mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. their form of beauty has been elevated, and, and that has had long-lasting effect on our, our people, on our children, and our children who have grown up to be adults who today still suffer from um, wanting to have straight or bone straight hair or mm-hmm, thinner mm-hmm. thinner lips. And now look at it. The people who have thin lips or no lips, they want lips. They're buying lips. So, yeah, and I could say a lot and my words are not coming. I get excited and then I get a little um, emotional. So please forgive me. <laughs> but, yeah, in a, yeah. In a, nutsh- in a nutshell, no, I, I would not embrace it at all. Absolutely. And I get it now. And I don't know uh, the the commentary that comes after the story uh, is is given uh, uh, credit to uh, Kipling as he's he says the author's description of of the pictures, which, of course, don't show on the podcast. Right. And and he rhymes at the end of each one of the stories that is there. But at the end of the story, that, oh, I ordered the book. Oh, my goodness. Hold on, guys. I'm going to look to see if it's in the book. Because I do own the book. Wow. Oh, it's interesting, though. I don't it's, like it's that it's funny. in the story. He, yeah, it is funny. In the story, he says, you know, you should change. That, that's to me, is offensive. Yeah. You know, yes. uh baby and tells them, you know, you should you should change too. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel right. like no, I should be able to be <laughs> me <laughs> in whatever me. circumstance and, I find myself. Yeah. I mean, I guess right. in terms of hunting and we are like sort of the hunted, we are the prey, mm-hmm. it appears, mm-hmm. especially nowadays, but I don't know. It's just weird. And if we're changing, if if the changing would be to our advantage, uh, then we may consider it. But because of the whole history, the legacy of racism, it's like you cannot take anything for granted. Even things that are innocent, you can't even accept it and let it go. You know, mm-hmm. because at the back of your mind, you're wondering what is the the underlying message the motive yeah and uh that's the thing yeah the motive and that's the thing with why should i change right you know right why should i change um i was made this way 
I should embrace who I am. I am good. The Lord said he looked at his work and it was good. It was good. So I am it was good. the work of God's hands. I am good. Right. Yeah. Un unless others feel that we're not a part of God's creation. And that's uh, what probably therein lies the hook. You know, that's the, right, that's they're the problem. In. Therein. Therein lies the hook. There you go. Mm -hmm. We have some guests who have en entered, Sister Gabby. Felix oh, yeah. oh, welcome. Yeah, well, you guys, welcome, make comments, Peter. please. Share. Yes, please. Share your thoughts. You can in the comment section. I think there's a place to input your message. I'm not sure what it looks like on your devices, but we welcome mm -hmm. you to the discussion and would be interested to know what you think right. i see also cap two p entered the live studio too mm -hmm. and and bugly b-u-g-l-y welcome mm. welcome everyone welcome and like sister G. gabby said like sister gabby said uh, feel free to make your comments. Yes. We'd be interested to know what your thoughts are with this story. Um, sometimes, you know, when you're reading things and it's kind of funny. Uh, initially, it was a little bit daunting that he referred to Sambo because, <laughs> like I said, coming up as a child, the stories were good little stories, but the way they made Sambo look, mm -hmm. like he was so, so black. And then, of course, his lips were always, you know, they always made us look like we were hungry or thirsty. Our lips were always yeah, white and um, yeah. our well, clothes like not were normal. scraggly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, nothing flattering. It wasn't flattering at all. Um, mm -hmm. So, okay, guys, can you hear me? We do. Yes, we can. Okay, so I was talking, you didn't. So this is the thing. I, I have the book, and I'm going to put my hands on it. I don't know where I put it, but I'm going to see if the comments are there, and we will have another conversation about this. Um, as I was reading it, right, I picked up, of course, first and foremost, on that, that negative kind of, uh, the possibility that it would be received in a negative light. But then I, I had heard through the story things that I thought were also very positive. And I don't think he, um, these stories, in each story, he is given a reason for the outcome that we see in these created beings. And he just happens to bring into this story a real live kind of person. He brings in the Ethiopian, which we have not mm -hmm. seen in any of the other stories. <clears throat> and he comments that the Ethiopian uh, always uses these very big words because you see he is a grown up. So in that, <laughs> I, I saw him kind of elevate what might have been the, the thought of the day about dark people. 
But then knowing that he was also born in Bombay, I'm thinking as well, because he was actually born there. You see, he was around dark skinned people, or at least people who are different, that he probably didn't have the prejudice, just like Tad, that we might assume he had. Now we are assuming because we don't know mm-hmm. Mr. Kipling. We don't know. Nor do we know right. And and so I, I set out to do a little bit more research to find out more about Roger Kipling, the man, um, to see if there was this trace in his background and so far there has been no no indication of that i also then started to consider that uh the people who came to this country um with with all these slaves they were kind of like the dregs uh some of them of of you know england and and uh where it i think uh where did they come from uh the british the uh, dutch and you know the Dutch have a bad history in South Africa, so but they're they're not necessarily the best or the cream of that crop. You know they are people who themselves were seeking out something. They may have been criminals or whatever. You know and they they come over here. And so the, the mistreatment that we have received, to me, is a reverse of how they themselves were treated in England. And now I, I'm talking from my experience with. Uh, English, you know, English film. Looking back, I finally understood why we were treated so bad by these horrible people because in England, you know, the servants and all that were, they couldn't even marry if they got a job in these homes and, you know, they were serving the um, the upper class there. So they they did worse, of course, to us because at least those people were not beaten all the, whatever. So this oppression, oppression that we've lived through here in this country um, causes us to make these references, what they really have been to us. And so um, I, I was just so uh, interested. interested to hear Tad's take on this. When Tad came to the country, his decision to be on the side of black people was just that it was a decision. Um, it isn't because he himself had had a, a negative experience with people of the European extraction. His country was never colonized. Ethiopia has never been overtaken by another imperial uh, state. They've always been Ethiopian. The Italians tried to do it, but the Ethiopians beat them out. And still today, their uh, political uh, rivalries are within their own uh, ethnic uh, group. Mm-hmm. Not nationality, but but dark skinned people. So that's that's where I was coming from, and I, I really thought this was an excellent moment to kind of bring that out. Because you know what, guys, you know what I think. Listen, of all the people in the world, now I did date a man of another ethnicity once, but I couldn't kind of make myself really want to be with him forever and always because he was of a different ethnicity, and it's like the Lord paid me back because now I got two. two you know, I have I have. Uh, children who were raised under the Ethiopian kind of mindset because their their godparents and were, were Ethiopian and French and all that. So my children don't have the experience that I have had. And yet they are very, very aware of the oppression of black people. And so they stand there a little bit, you know. So I have these uh, mixed grandchildren. I, I, and I wondered, I have wondered over and over again, why me, Lord? You know what I mean? Like I why did I have to have these mixed children? Because like I 
sometimes I felt, um, oh my gosh, I can't, I'm not going to say it aloud, you know, but I, I have really felt that mm. difference. Can I, um, <laughs> yeah. May, may I add something, if I may? Mm-hmm. Yes. Or, and not to, I don't want to inter interfere with your train of thought. Um, but you mentioned um, Tad. Okay, go ahead. You want me mm -hmm. to wait? I can wait. No, no, no. Go right ahead. Okay. And I also wanted to, I don't know if you were aware that we have um, some guests as well. We were saying hello to them earlier. Um, yes, yes, Gabby yes. And I. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to speak a little on that as a foreigner. Okay. I'm Jamaican. Uh, Jamaica uh -huh. is a country. We, it's a land of um, our, our motto is out of many one people. And that's because uh -huh. we have a mixture of everybody. We have Jewish people. Yeah. We have, I mean, we have whites. I mean, when I say Jewish people and I say whites, I'm not making a distinction between the two. Um, of mm -hmm. course, we were a colony. So we have Brit British people there and we have Indians. We have... Um, my goodness, you name it, we have it. Hence, mm -hmm. out of many, one people being our motto. Mm -hmm. However, mm -hmm. having said that, we have what we call colorism. And you have that here too. You have mm -hmm. discrimination. It's class. It's more classism. But we're mm -hmm. all Jamaicans. But we still experience some, it's more classism than racism. Uh, mm -hmm. I, 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 even being a Jamaican, find it funny when I hear a white man or woman from Jamaica opens his or her mouth and speak, you know, having been away from Jamaica for so long. When I hear it mm -hmm. here, it's so funny. It's so mm -hmm. funny. Funny where out I of, laugh. Out of, yeah. Yeah. I laugh. It's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Because I kind of forget, you know, um, I, I don't, I'm not quite sure where I was going with that, but I want to talk about oppression. It's kind of the, in, in the countries where you have predominant blacks in Jamaica, we are predominantly black. Um, mm -hmm. We, we understand our racism. It's not like, mm -hmm. okay, you may have Indians in, okay, in Guyana, for example, where my husband is from. Uh, mm -hmm. The Indians and the blacks do not necessarily get along, you know, even though they're all Guyanese. So you have a mm -hmm. rift between Guyanese Indians and black Indians. So I think mm -hmm. wherever you go, keep, even though the Indians, may some may be light skinned, some may be just as dark skinned as blacks. But there's always mm -hmm. this situation, which I mm -hmm. think has sprung out of racism where blacks are always seem always to be at the bottom of the totem pole you see so it's mm -hmm. mindset it's um oppression and i don't know why we're seeing Whoa. that's a lot of noise okay sorry keep going uh, okay okay so uh, um we we see we're, we're considered being docile and so is it because we we are so um what's the word we're we're a kind group of people kind in our spirit in our nature where we're we're so embracing of everybody where we we're, we're deemed as idiots or not thinkers we can't think we're docile and we will we're we're open to oppression i don't know I, because i don't know all these are questions that are in my mind 
uh, and and we take people from as they are. We take people at face value. We don't we don't um, see how we can get over on you. And I'm talking about as a group of people. We want to live with everybody. Uh, we want to. We're all citizens of the earth, citizens of God's kingdom, citizens of the world. You see, so we're not looking for an opportunity necessarily to see how we can get over on another group of people. And I know this is a mouthful and my thoughts are probably a little jumbled, but I just wanted to say those things. Right. Well, you know, it seems like um, in the story, it's as though there's this thing where, you know, in order to survive, if you want to be able to find your food, you need to be able to camouflage. And you need to be able to change with the, the with ever the environment, and um, I just feel like there's an issue with that in itself. I mean, have on the because I have so, come up on that side of things where I'm the hunted, not you know I'm not mm-hmm, the hunter. Mm-hmm. I'm hunted, so I feel like. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, I don't know what I don't know what Mr. Uh, Kipling was trying. <laughs> and how unfortunate that he is long gone. Well, see, these are children's stories, and I do agree that some children's stories can have an undertow or a meaning that is beyond, um, um, you know, the, the face of it. The face of it, um, and and so I. I kind of don't want to um, dig in too far because it is a children's mm-hmm. story. I did. I, understand. I want to respond, though, to the, the idea that black people as a group of people are very uh, open, you know, like like we said, I think the oppressed black people might be. But biblically speaking, there is no race. There was never an indication of race if you read through the early uh, Bible. There is simply a tribalism or nations, and the Bible speaks of the people as nations. So um, there also is the antagonism and the warring between nations, even the Israelites, uh, began to, as they developed, you know, as that group of people, they were brothers. The 12 tribes of Israel are brothers. Some of them, I mean, two of them by one mother and the rest of them by another mother. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Two of them by one mother. Then there was Bill, I think, the uh, has three or four in there. And then um, not Rachel's sister had the other. So these are related people. And still, with all that the Lord gave and did for them, they split. So you have the northern kingdom and you have the southern kingdom. And they warred against each other and went to other nations to help. The northern kingdom uh, and and the southern kingdom, you know, they annexed other nations who were not even like them. Um, Mm -hmm. So Africa also is a continent of dark peoples. And they themselves war against each other. The Sudanese, yes. the uh, Ethiopian. So, you know, these are all black folks uh, or dark skinned yes. people anyway. Uh, yes. Therefore, yes. I have to hold that it doesn't really matter 
what skin tone. Oh, wait a minute. We don't even talk. We never see. We leave Europe out. And when we write, we don't write about Europeans because they have right. somehow exalted themselves above the rest of the world. So the references right. to them are not clearly seen as they are right. against dark skinned people. But the Europeans. Right. All of those nations warred against each other. You know, the, the European history yes. is really quite bloody and horrid. And um, by the way, they're not uh, pure as the driven snow. As I was doing my my uh, research on the lost tribes of the northern kingdom uh, of the Israelites, it is written they are supposed that they have all migrated up as far as uh, uh, Scotland and, and uh, what's the other... Ireland, all in there. So we don't know who's who anymore in the world. We right. really don't. Mm -hmm. You see, what right. who can know? So, uh, but God Himself. And um, mm -hmm. I finally said about my children, I'm glad that they are. They don't have to be plagued with the offenses of their dark skin like I did. I am thankful to God that they don't have to overcome or jump over the hurdle of this idea of race because I married a man who never had to live through that, right? And their upbringing was highly uh, interracial, if you want to, I don't like the word, I hate the word race, because it is a construct of a man who paid for his degree, according to my research, you know what I'm saying? Nobody was talking about race, we're talking about nations here. So uh, mm -hmm. that's a good thing. But because I am a girl of the oppressed, my grandmother was a slave and my, you know, my ancestry in this country is all mixed up. You know what I'm saying? I do have that experience. I have those sensitivities. Um, and it's, yeah. that's the most unfortunate thing. You have to measure everything by the color of your skin and exactly. your oppressive background. Right. So mm -hmm. I finally said, thank you, Jesus, if you use me to kill this notion of me not being better, uh, as good as. See, I just think we are as good as, not better than. Uh, I don't think we are more beautiful than. I think we are as beautiful as, right? So that comparison to me is always very equal. Therefore, there's good and bad everywhere I turn and look, and it doesn't matter what part of the country or the world I'm in, there it is. It's before me, ever before me. So with that, I wanted to really um, pull this out and be sensitive to those who would be sensitive to it and uh, try, to, try to put a slant on it that would help us to move away from and to remember that though we have been oppressed, other peoples of a different hue than us have been you know, in their own, they've, they've gone through their own uh, form of oppression as well that was also inflicted on them by themselves because that European stuff was Europeans. You know, it's the Goths and the Visigoths and all them, the Celts, all of them, all of that. It's happening right of, now. Absolutely. It's right now. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And therefore, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just, yeah. I, no, it's I good. Yeah, you, jump right in. Thing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we, we've been given an opportunity for which we are. I'm so grateful that you guys came on with me today to talk about it. And you know what? For, for this country, for our English speaking children, I think we read that story just about as good as that Mr. Lee. <laughs> with a little practice. Because, 
yeah. whoever whoever read it for Libra Fox. But um, yes. I, I really want us to record it and then put it up. So we'll do another mm-hmm. recording and we will mm-hmm. replace the one that is there. Like, I love the way the man reads the story, but the, the comment, we have to get rid of that commentary there uh, so yeah. that the children can listen to it and they won't have to go through uh, this thing, right. you know? So yeah. Yeah. last words, my ladies. I just love y'all. Thank you so much for being with me. Yeah. Go ahead. I don't have any. <laughs> I love you too. I, I love you too. I enjoyed, I enjoyed this. <laughs> I, that's it for me. And I enjoyed your laughter. Oh, my goodness. You laughed so hard. I, it's almost like I could see you rolling on the floor. <laughs> and I hope, I, just... I hope when the children, I hope when the, when the children hear it, they will have a good belly laugh also. Mm. Laughter yes. is good. It's good it for the is. soul. It, it surely is. And I'm going to tell yes. you what else came of this. Um, I realized that the language, he's so clever in his use of, of language and uh, the words, for example, exclusively really is exclusively, you know, he has yes. just um, shortened the word. and um, yes. Which made me think of uh, the, the black the, dialect, the new Negro dialect in this country. Yeah, yeah really? Yeah, it did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. I, I so agree with you, Sister Gab. Yeah, that. How about that? I agree. I'm just. Yeah. Yes. So, we, see, we cut it I'm not sure where he was coming from. I really can't speak on that. The British are very, very. Um, their humor is very much like that. Zebra. He, you know, like I, I used to listen to. Um, what's his name? Uh, the the British comic. Mr. Bean, Mr. Bean. Oh, okay. oh I would. I just. <laughs> oh, I think they they are so very, whatever they are, you know, whatever they, they do a lot of. Mm, you're right. The dialect is similar, but I think it's their natural way, and we were we were you know overlorded by those people. And so we've picked up on some of that stuff as well, and our humor is is a uh, is very clever. Black humor is very clever uh, when it's clean, and and we've introduced so much to this um, language, uh, words that are, and phrases, and the way that we say things, you know, and it and it bears um, being uh, what is the word called out. And and uh, accepted and and you know just understood as a beautiful part of the richness of the American culture as well. So and and similarly, I, uh, as you, yeah. mm-hmm. I was just going to say, Sister similarly. Gabby. Si- similarly, in Jamaica, it, aside from patois, there's the contraction mm-hmm. of words. So I I, mm-hmm. I can relate to exclusively <laughs> without saying mm-hmm. exclusively because and Jamaicans mm-hmm. are, are notorious for butchering words. We say it among ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, we carve, mm-hmm. we cut and carve our own words as we go along and yes. we understand it. So this is yeah. really relatable, really fun and relatable. 
Yeah. And these folks have traveled the world and picked up on all of that. And they go back and they make it a part of their culture as well. So, uh, yeah, we've been great contributors to the culture of the world. We really have been. And we've been in the limelight. I'm sure nobody intended for us to get the credit we've got. But over the world, we have we have really been seen as a a group of people who are formidable in, in their ability to stand and we have import exported our um, our our strength, you know, our strength uh, to other people who are are uh, being oppressed, who have been oppressed, and who needed to uh, stand for themselves. So, very much for us to be grateful for and thankful to God for in how He made us. You know, I yes, my children do the best Jamaican accents that ever. I I don't think Jamaicans. <laughs> Oh my holy kitty! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Yes, amazing That's right. Roddy Tam is—he a fool. Me you come in the house talking, and I'm thinking, who is that? And then I, of course, I know it's him. But he is real good at it. So. I get you there. And you're right. Oh, my gosh. And uh, Bob Marley's music has just, ooh, well, it's yes. taking the world. Yeah, we take the world because our sufferings are real. Our um, experiences are real. And uh, and we are real. We are people. We are oppressed people. And I think you can't be a real good person until you had a little oppression going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I tell you, it teaches you a lot, doesn't it? Oh, gosh. Oppression yes. really, really mm-hmm. softens, softens you for other people's pain. Yeah. yeah. So, guys. Humility brings you to your knees. It sure does. Every time it will. This has been very a lot of fun. It has been so much fun. And I'm so thankful that you came uh, to help me do this. And we can promise our audience that we will um, we will uh, have a new version <laughs> of how the leopard got his stripes in and of itself. A wonderful little story. Uh, the Ethiopian was a hunter there and gatherer, and they adjusted to be able to continue to eat or or to exist. And those other guys had to change for their own existence. So it seems to me the moral of this story is man's inhumanity to man. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody has to do a thing or two to live, right? And with God's help, we will all one day come into a kingdom where there will be no more of this. We won't have to strive. We will simply live in the beauty of the countenance of our God. And the word uh, in the book of the Revelation says there will be no more crying, nor tears, nor sorrow, nor death, nor pain. None of that will be there. And we will drink forever from the fountain of living water. So I don't need to, uh, to invade your space in order for me to grow bigger. I won't need to hunt you down for your resources so that I can continue to survive. I won't need any of that. There'll be no greed, no, uh, no, you know, status and all that. We will all understand and know that we have been redeemed, redeemed out of that. We have been redeemed and that our father and our God is now exactly 
that Ooh, our Father day. and our God. Great day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Great hallelujah. day. The We're looking the forward. We'll be marching. Hallelujah. Amen. And singing and praising and forever in good congenial relationship one with yes, another. Yes, we invite yes. all of you who are listening today to join us in the expectation of that which shall truly be. I was reading and studying the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. One, you can't, well, you can't understand Revelation without understanding Daniel, right? So I, I decided I would just get back into it and, and, and understand again. And the reason that I love prophecy whew, is because it is proof positive that whoever inspired and wrote the Bible could see down the corridors of the ages because prophecy takes you straight into heaven. And every one of the prophecies given in the book of Daniel concerning those kingdoms has come to pass. May God be praised. May he be praised. Indeed. And we invite you to join us in this, this expectation. This is Rehoboth Institute of the Arts uh, podcast. You have been listening to us as we have read through the story that we put up for our children's hour. This is the fourth in a series written by Rudyard Kipling from his uh, series, Just So Stories. This title is How the Leopard Got His Spots. Thank God I didn't say stripes because mm-hmm. honest to goodness, I don't pay attention to the leopard. And I first wrote how he got his stripes, of course, he got spots, not stripes. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah. we invite you to go to to the uh, main, main, the podcast, the episode list there in Rehoboth Institute of the Arts and, and hear the story as first read by the LibriVox uh, audio presentation. And then you'll hear it again read by Sister Rima, Sister Gabs, and me, Phyllis, your host, on wow what a show our podcast Mm -hmm. here is outreach to exalt our father god who has redeemed us out of the darkness of our former lives into the marvelous light of his salvation and our present life we just thank you for coming god bless you all and we are going to of course resume our live cast wow what a show we want to be more regular on it. I make no promises because I'm always breaking them. But if the Lord God blesses us to be so, you'll hear from us far more often than you uh, have uh, in the past. So with that, <laughs> when the Lord Amen. 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 Yes. <laughs> Highly stimulating conversation, ladies. I know what to talk about now. Glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's been so real. Amen. Yes. God bless you. Thank now. you. Amen. Okay. Thank you for Thank inviting you very me. Very much. And have a great one. Yes. Great God day, bless you everyone. Both. Yes. Yes. Everybody, thank you for coming. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>